the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. No, it's something. There it is. Just went dead in my ear. Wait, there it is again. Uh, it keeps. <laughs> I hope we're okay here. I hope we're okay. Welcome to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. My sound just cut out of my headphones, so I hope uh, we don't have any glitches here. So if you are hearing me, then that is outstanding. That's the way it is supposed to work. Uh, welcome to the program on this Wednesday, the 10th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2018. My goodness gracious. You know what today is, right? Today is the first day that you can do your early voting. Get to a board of elections near you, or get to more specifically your board of elections, so that you can cast your vote early. That is the top piece of advice that I have for you this morning. We have a lot to talk about today, but I just want to say this right now. If you are still angry about what the Senate Democrats tried to do, if you are still angry at what the American left continues to do, if you are still furious at the way they treated Brett Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh supporters, and thus all Republicans and conservatives who believed in due process, claiming that we were all misogynists who didn't care about sexual assault of women, who are all trying to uphold and buttress the patriarchy because we're trying to keep women subjugated, if you are still upset about any and all of those things that were said to you, about you, and on behalf of Brett Kavanaugh and others, then I urge you to go and vote today. Go and vote tomorrow. Go and vote while you're still angry. Because that is exactly what it's going to take to beat the liberals. That is exactly what it's going to take to beat the Democrats. Because you want to know the truth? They're angry. 
they're always angry. It's why I coined the term a couple of years ago on this program, uh, PPO. Hashtag PPO, the party of perpetual outrage. That's who they are. That's what they always are. They're angry all the time. And this is exactly why it is so incumbent upon us to make sure that we respond in kind. We respond with our own anger. And that means voting while this is still fresh. You know, a lot of people are blaming President Trump right now, saying that he is somehow stoking the uh, fires of division uh, in this country, that he is doing the dividing, that he is trying to keep America angry and on edge. And I'm going to tell you something. Part of it's true. Thank goodness. Because the honest truth of the matter is, we need someone to stoke our anger, to match the Democrats. If we allow them to go to the polls in a rage and a fury, racing and crawling over the proverbial broken glass to get to the polls, we're going to lose power on November 6th. We're going to lose power in the House. We're going to lose power in the Senate. And the president is going to be impotent, essentially, for the rest of his terms. term. It probably wouldn't be a terms based on that. So what we know, what we need, quite honestly, is to get out there and vote while we are still angry. Let the president remind you of what was done to Kavanaugh when he swears him in on Monday night the way that he did. Let the president remind you of the unbelievable conduct of the left as it continues. Let the president remind you of what Hillary Clinton, his vanquished foe, the two-time presidential loser, uh, has to say. Let the president keep your ire up so that you don't just get comfortable. The prediction of some of the, the political experts um, is that over the 30 days from the time Kavanaugh got sworn in, which have technically was on Saturday, and then they had the swearing-in ceremony on Monday night, um, the prediction is that in the 30 days between then and the vote on November 6th, Republicans are going to get comfortable. Republicans are going to get complacent. Republican voters are going to chill. They got their victory. They won the day. Kavanaugh's on the court, and they're, they're, they're comfortable. And they may or may not get out to vote in these very important elections. That's what a lot of experts and analysts, political analysts, are suggesting might happen. It is my suggestion to you. In fact, it is extremely important that we not get comfortable and we not take the chance that two weeks from now we're two weeks removed from all of the anger and the vitriol that was expressed at us by the left over the Kavanaugh fight. Three weeks from now, that's even more. You know what they say about time, it heals all wounds, and it's going to put a little salve, a little distance between one event and the other. It's going to put a little salve on the wound. It's going to make it a little bit less stingy. stingy. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we may or may not be as inspired to get out there and match them vote for vote, voter for voter. So it's my suggestion to you that you use your early voting period wisely. Go to your board of elections not your normal polling place for those who don't do early voting. I do use early voting, and I have for the last several elections. 
my wife and I will pick a day, and uh, you know we both have the opportunity. Maybe we'll do it on a lunch hour or whatever the case might be. And we go down to our local board of elections, and we cast that ballot, and we get it done. And now we also don't have to fight the lines on Election Day on November 6th. And you also don't have to be in line next to people who are, um, well, quite frankly, a little bit unstable. And that's what most of the Democrats are. Unstable. Willing to enforce their will upon other people. Willing to, well, what did Maxine Waters tell them to? Create a crowd and push up on people who support Donald Trump. Cory Booker and all of the others who continue to tell the left to be more and more ruthless, more and more aggressive, if not outright violent. The latest, of course, to call for that is the former Secretary of State, the former Senator, the former First Lady, and the two-time presidential election loser, Hillary Clinton. You cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. That's why I believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. It's, I don't know, it almost feels like Saturday Night Live. It almost seems like a parody. She is declaring that the left, the Democrats, cannot be civil with a party that's trying to destroy everything that they stand for. It's the Republicans who are trying to destroy here, not the Democrats. And so, therefore, in response to the Republicans trying to destroy, they have to be uncivil. And they'll only start being civil again once they win back the power. You heard it from her own mouth. There are so many things wrong with that that there's a lot to unpack. Hillary Clinton, first of all, the notion that it's the Republicans who are trying to destroy and not the Democrats. What are the Republicans destroying? And how are the Republicans destroying it? If you're saying they're destroying Democrat chances of creating the socialist utopia that they actually envision for this country, that they worked for eight years of Barack Obama to try to enact the fundamental transformation of a free republic, a capitalist country founded in liberty, turning it into some sort of government-controlled socialist utopia. Again, utopia, I use that word in air quotes because it's what they would see it as. If you think we're destroying that, okay, guilty as charged. My hand is in the air. You can't see it. This is radio. But yes, my hand is up. Guilty. We are trying to destroy any movement that tries to take away what our founding fathers, in their infinite wisdom, by way of our glorious Constitution and the laws that have been written based upon that document. If we're trying to destroy those who wish to, to, uh, uh, to fundamentally transform this country into something it is not, then yes, we are trying to destroy that. But now let's ask ourselves, how are Republicans trying to destroy it? Are the Republicans the ones marching in the streets and smashing windows, attacking drivers, blocking roads? Are Republicans barreling into restaurants, office buildings, and elevators, screaming at people with whom we disagree? 
harassing and intimidating them upon the marching orders of our party leaders and elected officials? Is it Republicans who are attacking sitting senators in their yards, physically injuring them? Is it Republicans who are shooting up congressional baseball practices filled with Democrats? Is it Republicans committing vandalism on the daily? The Republicans aren't doing anything of the sort. So while you claim Republicans are trying to destroy everything you stand for, let's clarify how they are doing this destruction. The answer is in only one way. At the ballot box. Republicans are destroying Democrats' socialist dreams by winning elections. Hillary still still can't understand that. She wrote an entire 400-page book called What Happened and still doesn't know what happened. The people spoke. The people rose up and said, we want liberty. We want security. We want protection. And we're going to continue to show up. No matter how much she tries to spin the, the, the narrative in the other direction. I mean, it is almost, I don't know whether I should laugh or rage over Hillary Clinton. I'm leaning toward laughing, but I just want to make sure that I also speak with the seriousness that the situation warrants. You cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. That's why I believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. I mean, think about the second half of that little message. When we win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. In other words, she is calling on all anti-American leftist anti-American leftist democrat socialist revolutionary communist antifa black lives matter code pink etc 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 organization to remain as violent and combative as possible until we win back the the, the power that's coding for if you don't want to see people being attacked, you better stay home, Republicans, and allow the Democrats to win these elections. Allow us to win power, and then we'll calm down. Allow us to win power, then we'll be civil. But if you continue to outvote us, and you continue to hold on to power, we're coming for you. Physically, in the streets. That's the message I just heard from Hillary Rodham Clinton. If we Clinton. are fortunate enough to win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. No civility until they win power. Violence, destruction, harassment, intimidation. That is the order of the day as long as the Republicans are in power. This is the modern Democratic Party, led by that old sea hag, Hillary Rodham Clinton. Even if they don't know it, she's still in the forefront and she's about to embark upon a 13-city tour, ensuring that that's the case.
Much, much more to talk about and much, much more of your reactions. Or actually, I want to start getting your reactions at 216-901-0945. Coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Reviews. Nine twenty-six now. The Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer coming up, and we'll call it ten minutes, maybe nine. Uh, we're going to talk to our friend David Ray, Federation for American Immigration Reform. A couple of major stories. Number one, Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, has essentially indicated that, yes, uh, there is going to be a big fight over President Trump's border wall coming up uh, after the election. That's number one. Number two, um, there has been a couple of significant developments in the illegal versus uh, legal immigration fight that FAIR is speaking out on, including a federal judge, another activist, unelected uh, federal judge acting as a uh, as a legislator, stepping in and destroying the president's ability to exercise his lawful authority on immigration laws, taking the temporary out of the Temporary Protected Status Program, TPS. It is temporary protection. It does have an end. And when the president decided to try to end the temporary protected status for people living in the country illegally and uh, deport them, a judge says, no, nah, you can't. It's an absolute joke. So we're going to talk about that. And I also saw another story, too, regarding back to the border wall for just a second. Another story. Do you realize that the United States of America is paying more money for the birth, just the births, of children to illegal aliens in this country than it would cost for us to build that wall? Just an amazing report. This came from, it's an explosive report from the Census Bureau, uh, Census Bureau. According to data from the Census Bureau, women in the United States illegally had 297,000 children in 2014 at a cost of $2.4 billion. That's $800 million more than the Senate was approving for President Trump's border wall this year. And enough to pay for the wall for over 10 years. Just think about that for a moment. These are babies being born in the United States to illegal immigrants, illegal invaders, if you will, because the word immigrant invite uh, uh, seems to indicate that someone is here uh, upon the invitation of the United States. But uh, those babies being born to illegal immigrants um, are jacking up all of our costs because most of them are here. They're not working. Uh, they, they're on Medicaid. They're getting assistance. Uh, hospitals are providing treatment without payment. Uh, and then, of course, jacking up the cost for everybody else. But $2.4 billion, rather than putting that money to the border wall to stop these people from coming in, we're spending it on them. Uh, Tony in South Euclid, before the break. Tony, go ahead. Yes, uh, good morning. Listen, I, uh, I uh, spoke to you before, and uh, listen, I just want to make sure I, I tell you first that uh, thank you for taking my calls. Sure. Um, I always kind of see the other side of things. But, you know, based with... Uh, yeah, Hillary Clinton and these uh, the Democrats protesting and being very aggressive and using aggression in order to get their ways. You know, we have a Constitution uh, amendment that states uh, uh, to assembly peacefully. 
Mm-hmm. It says nothing about protesting. There's nothing in that amendment that says protesting. It says peaceful assembly. And we need to emphasize, I think maybe as Republicans, independents, that this, that, that the, the protest shouldn't be used protest. We should use peaceful assembly. Maybe we should set up areas and cities where... Tony, I think we're focusing uh, on the wrong word here. I think it's, uh, forget about assembly versus protest. I think the word peaceful is the operative word here because uh, an assembly can be a protest as long as you're doing it peacefully. You can protest by chanting. You can protest by having speeches and applause and signs, and that's okay because that is an assembly. But the operative word is peaceful when they take away the peaceful part of it and they intimidate, assault, harass, break into the, not break into, but enter the uh, United States Supreme Court and pound on the doors trying to disrupt the proceedings. They go into the galleries and they start screaming and disrupting the proceedings. They block traffic and they stop people from getting through to their places of business and work and emergency vehicles. It's when they take their assembly and they make it non-peaceful. That is when we have to step in. Assemblies can be protests. That's okay. To me, it's the peaceful part we should focus on. Tony, thanks for the call. News Now, David Ray next, AM 1420, The Answer. Social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob Frat Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed it is. 9.35 now as we continue, AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, before I get to my next guest, I want to remind people of something. When I Back on, uh, la, 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 I want to say, last Thursday, maybe, before uh, the Saturday vote to confirm Brett Kavanaugh as the next Supreme Court justice, um, I posted a, a little uh, blurb on Facebook that said, we all need to crack open a beer when Kavanaugh is sworn in. Who's with me? This got more response on my Facebook page than anything on my Facebook page ever has other than my birthday. When my birthday comes around every year, I get you know close to a 1,000 people telling me happy birthday, which is wonderful. It's just a Facebook thing, and that's fine. And In fact, it's very nice. Um, this, this response got over 600 people saying to me, I'm in, where and when. And the swearing-in ceremony was Monday, but people continue to ask me, Bob, when are we having that beer? When are we doing this thing? And uh, I was looking for a location and looking for an opportunity and you know to get all of these people together because a ton of people saying, I'm in, let's go have that beer and toast Brett Kavanaugh being confirmed. Well, um, Bob Bodie, who is with uh, uh, West Shore Republicans, a very important group, is holding an event this Thursday for Peter Corrigan, who is the Republican candidate for uh, Cuyahoga County Executive, trying to replace Armin Budish, which God only willing uh, he can do. But this event is a meet and greet for Peter Corrigan in Westlake, and it is um, tomorrow, tomorrow night. And he has invited us to, um, to use this as the place for our meet and greet. And I said, yes, I like the idea. So if you want to have, you know, the, the, I'm sorry, it's his meet and greet, and it's our little beer toast to Kavanaugh. So I'm going to be there tomorrow. It's at 6.30 in Westlake, and it's a a bar called the Time Warp Bar in Westlake. Peter Corrigan will be there doing Cuyahoga County executive candidate things, and I will support that too. 
but I will also be toasting Kavanaugh uh, with, uh, with, a, with a nice cold one, and, and I want you to do it with me. So if you are among those who said, I'm in, let's pack that place and let's have a toast, and we'll raise our glasses uh, to, uh, to Justice Kavanaugh, who started his first day on the bench yesterday. That's tomorrow night, Time Warp Bar in Westlake. The Peter Corrigan meet-and-greet is what it officially is. But for us, it's going to be a Peter Corrigan meet-and-greet slash Brett Kavanaugh uh, toast. So I hope you will join me there. This is, again, is being hosted by the West Shore Republicans tomorrow night. All right, with that, I bring in my friend David Ray. David Ray, of course, is uh, with the Federation for American Immigration Reform. i uh, got a number of issues to discuss this morning. Uh, David, how are you, sir? Doing great, my friend. How about you? I'm fantastic. Uh, really, really appreciate you coming on today. I, I, I could be better, though, to be honest with you. Maybe fantastic is overstating it a little bit because, David, there are a number of immigration issues that kind of have been circulating in the background since the whole Kavanaugh fight dominated the national political conversation for the last three weeks to a month. And I want to hit a few of these with you, starting with uh, another activist judge trying to remove, not trying, but doing it, removing the president's powers, his, his plenary power to uh, decide immigration issues in the United States under authority granted him by uh, laws passed by Congress. And now we're talking about TPS, the temporary protected status of illegal immigrants in this country. Uh, the president wants these 300,000 or so to, you know, that temporary protection to be over, and a judge says you can't do that. Right. I mean, it's just another example of a San Francisco activist judge sit, uh, stepping in and attempting to legislate from the bench. You know, for those of your listeners who, who are not aware of, of TPS and its background, TPS, or Temporary Protected Status, was first established in 1990 by Congress. And what it does is it allows any administration uh, to grant TPS to a group of non-citizens who are caught in the United States when a catastrophe strikes home. So let's say you're a family from Guatemala and you're visiting uh, relatives here in the United States on a tourist visa, and all of a sudden uh, a huge hurricane hits Guatemala or an enormous earthquake or a civil war, something of that nature, some, some type of situation where you're not going to want to force people to return home. We can grant all Guatemalans legally in the United States at that point temporary protected status. It gives them the ability to, to work in the United States and to remain here uh, even though they, they are on a non-permanent uh, uh, visa, allows them to remain there until their TPS, or temporary protected status, is revoked. And the idea being, you know, as soon as things are better from the earthquake or the, the civil strife is over, what have you, that these folks who are just here temporarily go home. Unfortunately, Congress has a, uh, always has the temptation of extending this TPS again and again and again. And now some of the temporary protected status that was granted uh, to Nicaraguans and Hondurans in 1999 for natural disasters that struck there. Uh, you know, these folks have now been here for about 20 years on temporary status, and the administration is saying, you know, it's time to put some integrity back in this program. You are here as a temporary visitor. The uh, hurricane, earthquake, or whatever it was that, tr that triggered the uh, TPS in 1999 has well passed, and it's time to return home and help your nation uh, become all that it's able to be. And so he, uh, the administration moved to revoke TPS for El Salvador, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Sudan, uh, and uh, a judge swung in and blocked 
this using campaign rhetoric uh, from the president's uh, campaign two years ago and accused the president of saying, well, you referred to these as S-hole countries, and therefore we can't return people there. It's just, it, it's absurd. I, 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 I mean, that, that's the part of it. Yeah, that's yeah. the part of it, David, that just is, 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 in, in, you know, enraging. How can yeah. a judge sit there and, 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 and air his open hostility to the president or about the president in a ruling like this that, again, is obviously outside the scope of his authority to, uh, to affect anyway? He's not supposed to be uh, making decisions on, um, uh, on, on immigration matters when that power is left solely to the chief executive of the country by way of the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1952. And for him to use, right. to, to use, as you say, campaign rhetoric, uh, to, right. to, to justify this, it's just, it's so far beyond the pale. I, I don't know what to say, David. Right. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. We know that this judge doesn't like President Trump, that, uh, you know, President Trump didn't, didn't do real well in San Francisco, but he did amazingly well in other parts of the country and won the presidency by a landslide. But the point is that it is any administration's ability to apply or to rescind temporary protected status, and a judge has no standing to to, to step in and block that legally. It has no legal standing, and, and I am sure the administration is going to... Uh, uh, to take this to a higher court and and to appeal it but the point being if temporary protected status isn't temporary then Americans are going to uh, turn their backs on support for this program and it is important to have this public policy tool available uh, to to whatever administration is in office because these types of natural disasters do happen uh, but, but in order for temporary protected status to actually have any credibility, folks eventually need to go home. And for the countries that I listed off, it's, it's time for that to happen. We're talking to Dave Ray. He is with the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Uh, the other big story regarding immigration I wanted to hit you with, Dave, is uh, Speaker Paul Ryan, who, of course, is a short-timer. Uh, he is stepping away from uh, from the Speaker position, but... Uh, he said earlier this week that he expects a big fight over the border wall after the election in November. And he said, we are intent on having a, quote, full-fledged discussion on how to complete our mission to secure the border. And, yes, we will have a fight about this. He did not rule out at least a partial government shutdown in order to get this thing uh, to happen. Does this surprise you to hear coming from Ryan now, or do you think he's growing a little bit of a spine because he knows he doesn't have to worry about re-election or, or popularity or anything else, that maybe finally he's ready and willing to do the right thing? Well, you know, the, the, the speaker seems to be whistling a different tune than I've ever heard. As you know, Bob, we are right, fair is located right here on Capitol Hill, and I'm up to the knees in the swamp every day, and I'll tell you, that there's an entire wing of the Republican Party, the, the Wall Street branch of the Republican Party, that really has no appetite for immigration enforcement. Uh, they simply crave more cheap, exploitable workers. Uh, I hope Pres- uh, Speaker Ryan is serious in, in his, uh, that his rhetoric actually means something. Certainly the wall is, is one of the rallying points that Americans strongly backed when they put President Trump in the White House. They expect it to be delivered. The Speaker has not helped push through almost any of of President Trump's immigration platform, and uh, we need to see some action before the 2020 elections if President Trump hopes to, uh, to gain another stay in the Oval Office.
Yeah, and you know, here's a, a an ancillary story to that, Dave. That uh, I think people need to know about. You know, because critics of the wall idea say that it's too expensive. That it's going to cost you know twenty five right. billion dollars overall to to construct and maintain and and enforce this thing. And they say we can't do that with twenty five billion dollars. But here's a story from the Census Bureau that just came right. out. Um, the report revealing that women in the United States illegally had 297,000 children in 2014 here in the United States. So these are children born to illegal immigrants in this country at a cost of roughly $2.4 billion. That's an eight, right. that's $800 million more than the Senate has approved for the border wall this year and enough to pay for the right. wall over 10 years. And if this is what it was in 2014, you can imagine what it was in 2015, 16, 17, and 18. And even if it didn't go up, which I'm certain that it did, that $2.4 billion cost to the American people by way of uh, Medicaid and, uh, and higher, uh, um, higher health care costs for themselves because, uh, you know, because these hospitals and doctors are providing services for free to people that can't pay. You know, all right. of these things add up. Let's say if it hasn't gone up from 2.4, a billion each year, but it's just that. Multiply that times five, you know, and, and, right. and we've got ourselves $10 billion toward that wall. Do they not understand right. we're paying one way or the other? Right. You know, two quick points to make about the border wall. First of all, the experts, the men and women who put their lives on the line every day uh, to stop the flow of illegal mm-hmm. of criminal aliens and illegal drug cartels, and uh, suspected terrorists into the country, they say that the border wall will help them gain operational control of the border because it forces uh, those groups away from your crowded urban areas where urban areas in Mexico adjoin those in the United States and out into the open desert or into more open areas where they can more easily and safely uh, patrol. But the second point is like the not putting up the border wall is like refusing to fix a hole in your roof. You better deal with it now or you're going to be paying for it later. And when you're paying for it later, it's going to be a whole lot more money. Let me tell you, you've mentioned the cost of of, um, uh, birth services for illegal alien mothers. What we pay, what American taxpayers pay annually for the overall cost of illegal immigration is $116 billion billion a year. You know, you look at fifteen to twenty-five billion dollars to put up a border wall. That's a drop in the bucket compared to the annual cost of illegal immigration. You got to fix that hole in the roof, or it's going to ruin everything in the house. I mean, it, it is—it's just common sense. We can do this as a people. We've put up border wall along parts of the border south of San Diego. I was just there a few months ago. Let me tell you, the difference is night and day. It used to be. Thousands of people rushing in. Now it's a trickle, and the Border Patrol has control of that area just because of the construction of the border wall over the last 10 years. Dave, that is so very important to get out there, that point. And you're right, because we talked yeah. about all those numbers during the uh, Hold Their Feet to the Fire Week in D.C. there, and uh, and it's make, right. it's great to make sure people know about that overall cost, uh, not just the yeah. cost of the birth services it's that stunning. we're mentioning here. Now, to that end, let me ask you this uh, as we wrap it up. Um, what are you seeing for 30 days from now, less than 30 days from now? Do you think the American people, especially those who are concerned with our security and with our sovereignty, are going to come out in enough force to keep the Republicans in power in the House and to keep them in power in the Senate? 
because to lose control of either house is to surrender the border right. wall. I mean, it's already precarious enough with some Republicans in Congress not willing to fund it. I mean, what, the uh, House granted, what, $5 billion, I think, in the upcoming budget, the, the, the Senate right. promising just $1.6 Not even nearly enough, but if you take the Republicans out of power, it's gone forever while President Trump is in power. Do you think people understand that and uh, that they'll come to the polls for that? $5 billion won't do the whole thing, but you got to have incrementalism, one of Rush Limbaugh's favorite sayings. You know, you get a little bit and a little bit and a little bit, and pretty soon you have a lot. So that $5 billion is a significant step in the right direction. For those of, of you who care about immigration as a public policy, this is probably the second most important election in your lifetime. The first most important one was two years ago when you put President Trump in the Oval Office. This one here is is going to determine whether or not he has a Congress, uh, House of Representatives, and a Senate behind him to continue to push his agenda. My prediction is that the Republicans barely hold on to the House and that there's one to two seat gain in the Senate. Maybe I'm the eternal optimist. My mother always tells me that uh, I, I was born with a smile on my face and I've always been uh, optimistic about things. But so. I hope I'm not being blinded by my optimism, but that's my prediction. Well, you know, I I, I don't think you are um, for now, because right now yeah. I think Republican votes are, I mean, Republican anger over what was just done to Brett Kavanaugh has everybody yeah. ready to go vote right now. The question is, is, you know, will they will that anger and will that enthusiasm to vote uh, against these Democrats who perpetrated that fraud, will it subside yeah. by the time November 6th runs uh, comes around? That's the only thing that right. I worry yeah, about. Just Try to rem remember what you witnessed happen to Brett Kavanaugh and his family and tell yourself that those are the people who want to be in charge of our government. That should put a little chill down everyone's uh, spine, I think. To totally agree. And the other thing I've been telling people is don't wait till November 6th. If you're angry now and you remember all of that now, go vote now because today is the oh, first yeah. day in a lot of states, including our state here in Ohio, Dave, where you can go early vote. Just go to your board of elections, avoid the lines on election day, go cast your ballots right, right now and keep Republicans in control and turn blue seats into red ones because that's the only way we're able to advance this agenda. Um, Dave, Ray, Dave Ray, great stuff. Thank you for joining us from D.C. and the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Great being with you, Bob. You have a great day. Always a pleasure, sir. Dave Ray joining us. It's 951. We'll get a timeout for traffic. Come back. Get some of your thoughts. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110 on the Bob France Authority. In 60. All right, 956 now. Short segment here to wrap up hour number one. Really appreciate the opportunity here from uh, Dave Ray with the Federation for American Immigration Reform. If you've got thoughts you want to share on it, by all means, dial 216-901-0945, Next half hour is open. Uh, we have a guest coming up at 1035. Nan Baker, Cuyahoga County Council, is going to join us. Uh, she has her uh, annual pancake breakfast coming up uh, this Sunday, so we're going to talk a little bit about that with her. Um, but we're also going to talk about next half hour. And I'm really looking forward to this. I just read the story this morning. It kind of forced me to do a little pivot on my plans for the show today. Another example of liberalism gone wild uh, on college campuses, this time a local campus, and it's John Carroll. Um, a John Carroll University student 
has apparently caused an uproar over free speech for daring to write a column in the school newspaper, uh, the Carroll News, uh, that opposes the school's annual drag show. I didn't know they had one of those, but they do, apparently. And the op-ed editor for the, uh, the Carroll News called the event a flagrant celebration of sexual perversity and argued that the Jesuit school should embrace traditional Catholic values rather than these type of values. Well, to express something that isn't a liberal thought is considered to be hate speech on most college campuses, and apparently that's what it's considered to be on JCU's campus as well. There was an interesting piece in the uh, in Cleveland.com about this that I read today, and then I read the original article by uh, the student, and I'm going to share that with you coming up after the top of the hour. It's really, really interesting. The direction of our church, quite frankly, if the Catholic church, that is. I know I have a lot of people who are Christians, non-denominational, or non, uh, just non-Catholic. Of course, uh, our Jewish friends and, 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 and people of all religious stripes. But um, but the direction of the Catholic Church, to me, is a very, very strange and dangerous one right now. We talked about this at length before the Kavanaugh situation got started, talking about the abuse scandal uh, with the priests and so on and so forth, and the uh, wild liberalism of our current pope. Uh, but I think this is another example of it. Jesuit universities, Catholic Jesuit universities and schools, including high schools, doing some decidedly non-traditional Catholic things. Frank is in uh, Brook Park. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Frank. Go ahead. Thanks. That Those massive crowds at the Supreme Court last year, week, yes, that, sir. that was absurd. I the, the Supreme Court has its own police force. I've been to Washington over 40 times with the Marches for Life. There's been 45. I've been to about 42 of them. Mm-hmm. It is totally prohibited to even get on the landing from the steps up to the Supreme Court when we are there. And it's, there's no one ever gets there. There's police stationed all around the whole open area. You'd never get near the doors. And I, I don't know what was wrong with the uh, Supreme Court police. They should have just rounded them up as they would and some of the meaner ones and not handcuffing them with those plastic cuffs because yeah, that, the zip ties. that would have happened. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. I Yeah, I totally agree. What they were allowed to do, they actually got not only up on the landing, but inside the building, into the you know the lobby area, and then they were outside the giant wooden 13-ton doors, pounding on them, scratching on them. They looked like a little puppy trying to come in from out of the rain, scratching on the doors and, and making fools of themselves. I don't know why they were allowed there, Frank. It's a great they should, question. They should have been loaded in trucks and taken to jails, makeshift fence areas or whatever. That was totally absurd. I fault the Supreme Court police for not acting. I completely agree. You know that we do have we do have the right to free uh, to peaceful free assembly in this country, but you have to do it on on uh, areas that are permitted, uh, and they do indeed have to be peaceful and non disruptive. And that's exactly uh, what these um, uh, what these police, uh, as you pointed out, the Capitol Police should have enforced. Thank you, my friend. I got to get out for our news. We'll come right back. Take more of your phone calls on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.